Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. And this first uh, guest, we are going to do some chatting about fabric and style. Since I'm really excited about her style of work, and she's been working very hard to develop this over the many years, um, Sharon Holland is going to give us some insider looks at how she thinks about things. So, Sharon, thanks for being here. Oh, gosh, thanks, Pat, for having me on this show. This is such a huge honor. I'm really thrilled. <laughs> oh, good, good. This is exciting. You know, I, you know, you come, you told me you came from a family that has um, a lot of sewing history, you know, you're, yes. but, but not so much quilting history. No, I, I cannot remember any quilts. I mean, they just, they sewed everything, but did not do quilts. So I'm really first generation quilter here. And, um, I think I just got into it because I love fabrics so much, and I could see, oh, my gosh, you could use a whole bunch of fabrics in, in something. So yeah. that's really what propelled me into quilting, and I haven't looked back yet. <laughs> I think I'm the same way, Sharon. It's like I quilt so that I can use the fabric. You know, I want to <laughs> yes, exactly have to have a reason to use it. Um, <laughs> so when when did you start dabbling in designing your own fabric what sort of kicked that off um that started uh well i would have never ever guessed that i was going to do this i mean could you imagine no um but when uh, um so i'm an art and design student from way back when it was in the 80s that i graduated got married actually we we're still in our final year of college when we got married had kids like three years later i never worked I was raising the family. I was mm-hmm. sewing. I, mean, I was making quilts and doing stuff. But uh, the world out there was just not accessible to me. But, you know, we got the Internet and mm-hmm. all these fabulous things like Adobe Illustrator and all that. So it wasn't, it's got to be close to, oh, I don't know, when was that? Uh, six, seven, eight years ago? Well, we moved here ten years ago. So it was just right after that, um, I went back to school, and since oh. I had a, a BA, I didn't need to go through everything. I could just go and get certified in what I wanted, so I learned how to mm-hmm. use the Adobe Illustrator and digital printing, and I wanted to kind of like almost reverse design, like know how things are printed and mm-hmm. um, just be a better designer. They didn't teach me how to do repeat patterns or textile design, but once I was, like, armed with all this information, I thought, well, why can't I, right? So I just started playing around and figured it out. And this is even kind of pre-before a lot of books and information has been out there about pattern design. So um, uh, you could get a little bit off the Internet, but I really had to just figure it out myself. So that's how I got started, and... I just probably your there. art background helped you at least be a little bit fearless about oh, it because definitely. you, yeah, you definitely. already had some of those concepts of you know how things should work, right? And, drawing um, and then and then by sewing you kind of get a feel for kind of the patterns you want to use and how mm-hmm. when things are cut up. I love cutting up fabric <laughs> and how the design becomes something new and unexpectedly exciting because you've cut it up. So, yeah, so, all, that, all the background helps. 
you know, I thought that it would be fun for you and I to just banter a little bit um, about creating that style because not only do you create a style for your patterns that you do with your fabric, you know, you had to create a style for your fabric and, but how do people, how, you know, how can people create a style? What is some, some tips, like a process? A style for designing fabrics? Or, or just a quilts. style of your own. I mean, because, oh. you know, when you look at somebody's oh, work, you can yeah, see, sure. like, you know, their color combos. Yeah, their hand. Yeah. Um, definitely, you have to know what you like and you have to know what you don't like. That helps kind of weed it out. Like, if you're really into very graphic prints, um, you know, that's going to help define your style. So understand yourself first, your likes and dislikes, because there's, it's very important to create what you like. And what you can stand behind, you know, um, don't create just because it's on trend or you think somebody's going to like it. You need to, mm-hmm. you need to own that piece and you need to love it and be able to stand behind it. So understand yourself first. Look at a I lot think of that's, things. That's really oh. good. Even if somebody's just doing, um, like their own patchwork style, maybe they want to enter competition it, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Don't design because you think someone else is going to like it. You'll never love it. There's going to be some <laughs> little element missing in that. You mm-hmm. have to love it. And maybe you're going to make something that's so radically different from everybody else's. You're going to create something that no one's ever seen before, a, a uniquely yourself style. So definitely always be yourself. So when you personally start working on a fabric line um, to get that distinctive look, because I really do think, I mean, everybody's hand is so different. And when I look at yours, it's, you have a story, but, but the story is sort of woven in your (laughs) unique voice. How do you go about doing that? Um, uh, that is a tough question. Um, but, um, (laughs) It really is. I didn't um, know it was going to be hard. Oh, <laughs> you stumped me. No, because I work, a lot of my things are really nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I go a lot from my gut. You know, how does this make me feel? I can't necessarily put uh, terms to that. But how does that make me feel? And is this happy? Is this joyful? Does it remind me of something? I do like a bit of a vintage touch to my things. It's kind of like a vintage modern. It's it's something that kind of reminds you of something in the past, but it's not, a, you know, a direct replication of something in the past. I'm going for that feeling, that gut feeling that I have of, like, in my Bountiful, one of my biggest uh, gut feeling prints for me is my perennial print. There's something very happy about those flowers. It looks like crayons have been used to mark them out. Um, It it reminds me of my childhood. Mm -hmm. But it's all kind of feelings and in my head rather than something I can say, this is specifically what I did and why I did it. Um, Now, are you painting also? Are you, you know, painting your pieces and then... Yeah, some are are painted, um, and I don't even go for color. I I do it in, um, like, china uh, ink and a Mm. big brush. I don't need color. I can do the color Mm -hmm. later when it's in Illustrator. Um, I just want to get the marks on paper. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a print from Bountiful that I actually did a wood uh, block cutting and then I oh, eat it, 
and stamped it onto the paper to get that mm-hmm. initial mark. There's a leaf print in this one where I went and gathered leaves outside, inked them up with wood blocking ink, pressed it on paper, and then I scanned it in and I got it. So I like to do kind of mixed media a lot of times. It can mm-hmm. be anything just to get that mark. It's like your sailboats. I like that particular oh, print. Oh, that because... one was fun. And that one was kind of a – when I designed that one, I thought of it reverse. I did not mm. draw the sailboats. I made the marks behind it that created the mm. – what was left was the sailboat. Mm-hmm. And see, I like the process too. The process, I'm kind of mm. geeky about that. The process <laughs> of creating things, it just it doesn't have to be a pretty print. I need to get it. I need to have um, joy just even creating it. So mm-hmm. to me, there's a, challenge, a personal challenge. How can I get this? to work and yeah. um yeah so yeah there's there's lots of layers for me personally it's it's a big reward well that's what i love knowing and i think everybody does because you buy a piece of fabric but you know sometimes it's like well there's a whole person behind here and there's yeah. a whole lot of stuff that went into that one piece of fabric that print that's speaking to you enough that you are going to own it so yeah. um i just i i love hearing the excitement that you have, um, you know, I want to switch gears because you're this, yeah. these always go very quickly and, uh, you are doing some things out on the internet to build community. Can you tell me about one of them? Yes. This another thing that I'm just so excited about. And again, it's, it's, it's so personally rewarding. Um, my art gallery fabric designer, sister Marine Cracknell and I, um, this, uh, in December, we were brainstorming, like, how do we get more engagement on our blogs and kind of breathe new life into what we're doing? And we came up with this idea to do a virtual sewing bee that's a sampler, and we're, we call it the Social Bee Sampler. And um, we both co-host it. So on both of our blogs, um, you can find the information for this. It's a free online uh, event that'll last till the beginning of August, but um, we do a block a week on this, and really, it's turned into more than just revitalizing our blogs. This has turned into a big social community where people are learning new skills. People, I've had have people who have never quilted before, never made a block in their life doing this, mm. and they're so excited yeah. and they're learning new skills every week. And they're, everybody's very engaged with each other and comments and supports and helps. And I have people now helping other people because they've learned and new ones have come on. So it's just, it's grown more than just being a block of the month. And um, I had no and idea And you get how, to work with one of your friends, which is probably oh also Oh, my gosh, really, yeah. Marie and I are texting yeah. all day long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. It, I don't feel, you know, you, you, we're all isolated. We're all off in our own worlds, but we, we are so connected, and I love right. that. Well, Sharon, uh, this has been so much fun. Um, I want everybody to be able to visit you at SharonHollandDesigns.com where you write um, and you have links to your Instagram and your sew-along and all your fabrics, your gorgeous, gorgeous fabrics. Pardon me? Your gorgeous, gorgeous fabrics are there. Thank you, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we are going to take a little break and we'll be right back. 
Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Join the One Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual quilt along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, uh, Pat Sloan, and now I get to talk to Terry Atkinson. Yay! I haven't talked to her for a little while, and she has a brand new book called Simple, Fun, and Quickly Done. Terry has the most incredible ideas always. So, Terry, I am so glad you're here. Well, I'm excited to be here, Pat. This is going to be fun. You know, when you're working on, you know, you're always working on new things. I mean, and um, this this book has been, you know, I'm sure you've been having ideas for it for years, probably things that you just didn't kind of know what to do with. Did you have like this big collection? You're finally like, yes, it's all going to go together. I had a big collection of ideas, and we actually had to eliminate some because I had too many, <laughs> which is always a good problem to have. <laughs> it is a good problem because. You know, it's it's better to say, all right, we can save this one for the next thing than uh, having to shove it all in there. What what mm-hmm. was the – tell me sort of the goal of this book. Well, the goal of this book is to just collect and have a bunch of fun projects. And this book really is kind of a window into my personality because – I am never on the same track for very long. As soon as I get going on one thing, the next project that I work on is something completely different. And I have such a variety of techniques and projects in the book. I think it's just a real good snapshot of who I am. You know, that's that you know that's really true. I mean, I've known you a long time, Terry. It's like you will try this and then you'll develop like a set of things to use that technique and then you'll discover something else that excites you. You know, one of the things that's cracking me up, I'm looking at the bacon and eggs hot pad. It's like, how the heck did you come up with that? Well, I I got going on just a simple <laughs> chenille hot pad um, that's in with one of our apron patterns. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just stack and layer the fabric. And so, of course, my little brain goes on overdrive of what can we possibly cut out and put on that hot pad 
And, you know, I my first thought was, well, I could make a sailboat. And it's like, well, who would have a sailboat in the kitchen? That's ridiculous. <laughs> so then I got started on food ideas, and it's like, oh, you know, we should do pizza. We should do bacon and eggs. And so that's kind of where that was going. And the bacon and eggs, um, the first one I made, of course, I put it on black because in my mind it's in a frying pan. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, no, maybe we'll put it on a plate. So then I put it on turquoise, and so it's it's all ready to eat on the plate. You know, chenille is one of those things where it kind of comes and goes, doesn't it? But this is fun. This is not, like, fussy, and it's easy to try because it's little. Because it's little, and, and so many people did chenille years ago when – the idea was to do like a whole lap robe out of it, and it took mm-hmm. forever. And this is just, it's so easy to maneuver it under your pressure foot because you just turn it around because it's little. And it starts out as a square, which makes it completely simple. And then after you've done all the stitching and you cut in between the rows to make the chenille, then you cut it into a circle and put the binding on. So it's super easy. See, this is what I like about you, Terry. You always think through way in advance of anybody, you know, the the process so that it's easy to do. Making it a square first is brilliant. Um, what is another technique in the book that's maybe something people haven't tried for a while or something you're really excited about? Well, we've got a lot of zippers in the book, and, you know, zippers are no big deal. They're really super easy to do. Way back when we were in our sewing class in high school, we put zippers into A-line skirts, and, oh, my gosh, that was so frustrating. And, of course, things are different now. We're putting zippers in flat projects so that it's everything's completely flat while you're sewing on it. Machines have come a long way, too. If you are not agreeing with your zipper foot, get your walking foot out or use your zigzag foot and slide the needle over to the left-hand position. There's so many possibilities now, and it's just fun to get creative with them. You know, I never thought about using the walking foot. I bet that helps with the bulk, too. Well, you know, I never thought of that either, but I had a student in one of my test classes, and she got her walking foot out, and I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, well, I always put zippers in with a walking foot. And she plopped her walking foot right down on top of zipper and just drove right down, and it went in really slick. Neat. Now I have to try that. Now I'm, like, looking around. I actually just got one of your zippers the other day because I thought, I need to have done a zipper lately, so I'm going to get one and do something. So maybe I'll go through the book. What's what's an easy one in the book for, for somebody to do a zipper, like, that hasn't done it for a while? That hasn't done it for a while. There's a real easy little owl bag where the zipper is, you know, just across the top of the bag. But I think my favorite one is the wine zip. It's a little wine bag that zips up the front, and it's almost like the wine bottle has a jacket and a collar on. And that one's a super easy one, too. Yeah, that's funny. So what what are you doing with the zipper when it's too long? When it's too long, we just... Uh, here's a technical sewing term. Probably want to write this down. We just whack it off. <laughs> That's such you a can scary cut it thing. Off with a rotary cutter or a scissors, it doesn't matter. You just cut it right off. And the thing about 
trimming your zipper down to size is you can lay the zipper on your project and the zipper pull isn't in your way and those metal ends aren't in your way either because they're just hanging off the edge. Once Mm -hmm. the zipper's in, you can just trim it down to size. Yeah, and it really isn't that scary. I have done it. You know, they're... But it just feels scary a little bit. It's well, like it, it feels cutting. like, you know, you're not supposed to do it. But right. <laughs> we, we can make our own rules, can't we? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. What are you working with right now that's fun? You know, like, because you're always trying new things. What's sort of on the top of your list at the moment? Well, again, it's another fun zipper thing. And, you know, now that you've gotten brave enough to cut the ends of your zipper off and trim your zipper down to size, now we're going one step further and just sliding the zipper pull all the way off the zipper and putting a different color zipper pull on. And that is super fun. And, it's you know, you can get really creative and get all sorts of different colors going. Yeah, then, and, you know, who doesn't want to change and have something more interesting? You know, it's, uh, just make it more fun, more fun. Um, what, okay, I have a fun question for you. Um, what is the most recent, like, notion you got that you've never had before? Oh, gosh, I recently actually bought a, a wavy rotary blade cutter. You know, I've always had a pinking shears. I think I still have Mm -hmm. the one that was my mom's when I was a little girl. And that, you know, you have to actually cut straight with a pinking shears. But with a wavy rotary blade, you get that same wavy edge, but you can line it up with your ruler and just zip across. And we have a new little zipper bag pattern we're calling Hippie Zips. And it's got three bags in it and... They are decorated. One of them is a camper bag, so it's like a little tiny camper with a um, kind of a 60s flower on it. The second bag in there is a peace sign, Mm -hmm. and we use the zipper tape um, for the actual parts of the peace sign. And then the one that I'm using this wavy blade for is a little strippy bag that I've got um, a raw edge on there and some rickrack and it's just fun to decorate all different colors you know i hadn't even thought that about using that that wavy blade and i don't even know why i never really think about how to use it it's one of those tools you're like we have a lot of them has have it but it's like what are we going to use it for um i think a lot so, of people maybe have it for scrapbooking but it works really well on fabric too so Terry, just um, to before we we end here, I wanted to get one more thing in. Can you talk to me just a little bit about the process when you go to design something new? Because you spend quite a bit of time developing your your projects. I do, and you know, the time I get my very best ideas is when I'm supposed to be doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is maybe how my creative mind works. But most often I start out with graph paper and colored pencils or magic markers, and I'll draw things out to scale on the graph paper. And I think the process of coloring, it kind of puts my brain into creative mode where I get ideas while I'm coloring and I'll erase it and redraw it and it's always kind of a puzzle to me to get all the pieces to fit together and I always like to make it come out 
you know, where you can use fat quarters or easy yardage and easy sizes so you don't have to think too hard when you're cutting. Yeah, that's the the wonderful part about your par- patterns, um, Terry, is that you've done most of the work. Like you've thought of everything we could have asked you, and you've answered it already. <laughs> well, we make lots of tests of it, and it's like we learn something new in every every time we make it. We learn something new, and we tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. We have a well, um, a new apron pattern, and it's got bias straps. And the reason for that is the first one we made, um, we wanted it to be a little stretchy and a little flexible, so we made it bias, and we're actually stitching it with a zigzag. Perfect, perfect, Terry. This has been so much fun. Well, I'm glad you invited me. Now, I want everybody to go out and visit Terry at AtkinsonDesigns.com, and you can see all the places she's uh, at and find all her fabulous patterns. Thanks, Terry. Thank you, Pat. This We're going to take a break. Uh, this is American Patchwork and Quilting Talk Show. We'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Three-ring binders are the perfect storage method for fabric panels. Simply fold each panel into a page protector and insert into the binder. They're easy to view and keep the panels easily accessible. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show, and we're going to take the second half of the show so we can actually go back in time. That I mean, we won't really go back in time, but we're sort of going to go back in time. I have Betsy Chuchin and Carol Stale here who are authors of a new book called Treasury of Quilts. Um, Betsy, you will also know for her fabric designs and just her lovely, lovely patterns that she does with vintage fabrics. And so the book is called 19th Century Patchwork Divas, Treasure of Treasury of Quilts. So, Betsy, welcome to the show. Hi, Pat. How are you? I am fine. It's good to talk to you again. Um, it, you've been on here before. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, Carol, thank you for also joining me here. Well, it's nice joining you, Pat. Thank you. So the two of you, I need to get a little backstory so people kind of get where where this is coming from. So I'm reading the intro in here, and is it like 20 years ago you started the 19th Century Patchwork Divas? Is that right, Betsy? Yes. Yes, it was it, 20 years ago, right, Carol? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's our anniversary. 
<laughs> That's what I was reading. It's like your 20th anniversary. So, so Carol, was it just the two of you? How did that happen that the idea came up? Yes, it was just an idea that Betsy and I came up with, um, and we had talked for several years getting um, a, a few friends together to have a block exchange group, and it just kind of formulated out of the quilt shop called Nostalgia in Arlington, Texas. And we gathered people who had um, were teaching classes there or were working at other jobs and then um, working there also. So it just came to fruition, and we had 12 or 13 original members, and we have grown since then. You know, Betsy, mm. the one thing that I I get a giggle out of every time I see this name um, mm-hmm. is that <laughs> is you know yeah. the word diva is sort of in our <laughs> vernacular now. But right. twenty years ago, when you were thinking up this, was that as common a term to call a group a group of divas? No, I don't no. think so. <laughs> we, so we who came up with that? What did you say, Pat? I was going to say, who came up with the diva name? How did that happen? Oh, uh, one of our other members, Diana Peterson, uh, offered that name. That and was her everybody email just said, okay. It was her handle on mm-hmm. one of her emails at the mm-hmm. time, wasn't it, Carol? Yes. And, uh, and, you know, we had a hard time thinking of something to call ourselves, and the rest of the group liked it, so we said, okay. But it is funny. People call us just the divas, and oh. it's, it has a different meaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can Im- How many are in the group now, Carol? Do you know? Yes. We have a roster, and there's 24. Oh, okay. So do you like to keep it a little bit smaller than that rather than making it big, get big into, like, a, a guild size? Yes. Definitely. Uh, Carol manages the group, and uh, I, I, speaking for her, she can speak for herself too, but it's hard for her to manage too many people. Well, sometimes it's like herding cats. Yes. It, it's, <laughs> it's impossible because we can't all agree uh, on some things, and we can't please everybody all the time, even though we try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so the more people, then it gets to be, you know, it's, and it's fun. I have a smaller group like that, too, where we're about 15. And mm. it's nice because you got just enough that you everybody can get there. You know, you always have can have a meeting. Um, right. So let's see. You know, because there's two of you, we'll sort of go back and forth so that every, you know, you can both sort of jump in here. But I um, – I was wondering if you could just tell me the premise of the group and then how, like, this 20 years later for your anniversary, how the the book started. Maybe, Betsy, you can start off a little bit on that. Well, the premise for our group is to exchange blocks. And we've done that for 20 years, come up with an idea inspired by an antique quilt or just a block that we want to make. And we've done... How many exchanges now, Carol? When we We've exchange in December 50. of this year, it'll be 55. <gasps> 55 wow. exchanges. Mm-hmm. So it was it was nice to look back when we started talking about the book, to look back at all that we had done and and just realize how many different settings that we had come up with for that different block you know, for each block exchange. 
And that just gave us the the real premise for the book mm-hmm. uh, to focus on the on all the settings for each exchange. So did you have to actually make any quotes for this book, or were these all things that over time, like somebody already had one? Uh, some of them were over time, but others, no, we made specifically, you know, once we knew we were working on the book, we made specifically for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, before we talk about the book, if we could just talk about how you run an exchange like that, because I think it's fascinating um, that you've done it for so many years. You have to be total experts. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what what is, like, Carol, since you're kind of, you're the, the head diva of the group, um, <laughs> what... <laughs> What is a, maybe like two or three pointers for people mm-hmm. on starting an exchange group with friends, not something you're doing on the Internet with people you don't know, but, you know, with your friends? Well, I think most important is you get people who like the same type of fabric or same type of time period that you like so that everyone is on the same page when they start. And you do have to set down some rules that everyone agrees to, and someone needs to be in control, either keeping records or writing the patterns or something. But someone needs to kind of run meetings and be the one that organizes. And that was up to me, I guess. I don't know if I got it by <laughs> yes, default or what. given that task. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, ha- we formed a Yahoo group that is specifically mm-hmm. for our own group so mm-hmm. that if you travel and you are working on something and lose your pattern – it's all there. It's only for uh, our our members, but it's all there, which makes it much more convenient. But as far as running the group, um, we really we don't quote meet except for right. our December meeting. Oh, um, okay. It's, it's, yeah, it just works. It's it's worked for us. Let's mm-hmm, put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's worked for us. You know, I think it's key to always have somebody has to be in charge, even if you're just a bunch of friends who want to do a little something together. It, somebody always has to be the person to keep yeah. keep the train moving because uh, there are, yes there are certain decisions that have to be made and you you want to adhere to them as much as possible because it really does make everybody happy yeah and, and it makes it more fun then it's not like right. you know a scramble or like you know mm-hmm. somebody's always late because they didn't read the thing you know uh, <laughs> right <yeah>. so <laughs> what has been one of your um We'll do it on, you know, the the big positive. What is one of the big positives that have come out of this for, Betsy, you tell me first, for you doing this project with your friends, these these many, many quilts that you've done together? Well, it is. It, that's it. You just said it. It's the friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, you know, practically lifelong friendships out of out of making these quilts. But each time we make one, a piece of our friend is in our quilt. So as we exchange the blocks, everybody gets my block and I get everybody else's block. And when you put it together, it's like having all of us together. Mm-hmm. And we're scattered all over the place. We're not just, you know, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We've got members in Virginia and Colorado and South Texas. So we're scattered all over. Did this start out that way, together. Carol, that everybody was – was everybody local to begin with and then they moved? 
Right. Yes, we we were all local, um, and just by job changes, um, mm-hmm. aging parents that you want to move to be closer to, um, it's just you know life has happened, and and, and our friends have moved away. Mm-hmm. So do do you uh, as a group? You said you meet like once a year. Do you take a trip and meet somewhere? Since you know some of you are, I mean, do you like go to Hawaii because that's more fun? Uh, Ooh, that would be fun. Let's do that, Carol. Yeah, we hadn't thought about that. <laughs> a destination meeting. That's right. There you go. It's yeah, like so a wedding. Far, the destination has having... just been a friend's house. You know, one of the oh. girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we Locally. do have a retreat. That we need okay. to go to in July. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and fun that then. Because... A lot of fun. So what I want to do is we're going to um, do want to do one more thing before we'll take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about sort of the guts of the book. You know, what kind of um, details you put in it and the different projects. Do you have um, a tip about making um, these? Oh, you know, like multiple blocks because people are making multiple blocks do you have a tip for people how to do that efficiently carol you want to address that (laughs) (laughs) well i guess i i I choose the fabric and we always make a test block that's that's the Mm -hmm. first thing you need to do so you can get down your construction little idiosyncrasies that you like to do and then I, I, I try and cut everything and line everything up, and I I assembly line. I know some gals may do a whole block at a time, but I like to assembly part um, and just do it. And I mix it up. I do both. Okay, so Betsy, you'll do some assembly and some single block at a time? Yes, because I get bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, I like to change it up. So, yeah. uh, but but the assembly line process is is the beauty of making a block exchange. It really is. Nice yeah. and fast. And are you making them the same every block you make would be the same fabric? We pick out sets. So like if we need to make two sets of fabric blocks, eh? Yeah. You know, each block is a different set of fabrics. So you can make, you know, you line it up per, I'm, I'm struggling here, Carol, not getting all my words right, but you line up your fabrics and sew all of those. And then for your second block, you'd line up your fabrics and sew all of those, and you'd still be exchanging two blocks with everybody else who's also made two blocks. Um but each block okay. has different fabric. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you're not making like, you know, 30 blocks that are identical. No. You could. You could, you could. yeah. It all okay. depends on, on the pattern that you select and how many blocks you want to make and how many participants you have. Mm-hmm. 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 So neat, neat, neat. Well, what we're yeah. going to do, um, Betsy and uh, Carol, is we're going to just take a little break and then when we come back, I'd like to um, go through how people can use the book to do their own projects as a group. Or, you know, of course, they can use it as it is just for their, you know, make their own quilt. So we're going to just take a little break. We'll be right back. Okay. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. 
This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Three ring binders are the perfect storage method for fabric panels. Simply fold each panel into a page protector and insert into the binder. They're easy to view and keep the panels easily accessible. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler. Available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I have Betsy Chutchin and Carol Stale of... um, Quilting fame uh, for the 19th century patchwork divas and their new book, Treasury of Quilts. So I'm not sure who would be best. Maybe let's start with you, Betsy, and you you sort of maybe kick off a discussion of how the book is set up. You know, what are some of the, what are the components of it? Because you did this to help people run these kind of, um, you know, block swap sort of things. Right. Well, we have we have ten quilts in the book that are based on ten ten blocks. Those are featured uh, featured patterns. But to to answer your question, the the whole book is set up uh, so that you have a variety of setting options. You could make the blocks yourself. That's absolutely fine. Or you could get friends together and have an exchange of those blocks. And then everybody be open to setting them as they choose. We do offer other setting options other than just the featured, the featured quilt. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, in the book, what is one of the like important things to be sure you read? Because you know how people do this. They go and they just flip through and they see something. But is there a part that they don't want to miss reading? Well... I think establishing a block exchange group is important. It, those are the tricks that we have found that have worked very well for us. Um, of course, there's flexibility in there um, depending upon the group size and what they want to do. But I think that's it's the backbones of any block exchange group, no matter what you're, you're planning on doing. Yeah, so you want to be sure to sort of read through that and yeah. if you're going to be yeah. exchanging blocks. So I noticed in here too, some of the quilts are actually, you photographed the antique quilt that inspired everything. Right. So right. who, are, I, are these owned by people in your group? Yes. Um, I have the, the Feathered Star and Deb Otto has the album. We own, we own those quilts. So they, it's nice to have that as a as an inspiration. We bring those antiques with us to our meeting, you know, or or have pictures of it that we put on the Yahoo group, and it gets everybody else inspired. So sometimes it's really nice to have that to go by. Uh, let's see, Julia has the antique log cabin, log cabin. Mm. and what other antique do we have in here? 
I think that's it. That may be it. Yeah. So when th- I'm really fascinated by the one called Daybreak, which is um, like a sun of, you know, mm-hmm, very pointy point. things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, very sharp, pointy things. Yeah, very sharp, pointy little. It's gorgeous. Um, what what possessed all of you to make those for other people? It's like <laughs> it'd be hard you enough know, for me to make you, it for myself. Really hit on it. We were possessed. Yes. <laughs> well, Did everybody had... like jump in on that one? Are you all real experienced? Mm. So that was good. Mm, not really experienced. We hadn't done any paper piecing before. Nor had we done a circular project before, and we hadn't done templates before. So we combined all three aspects into two exchanges at the same time. Daybreak, the the circular sunburst, and the sunflower were offered as exchanges at the same time, and some crazy people signed up for both. <laughs> yes, this crazy person Are you- did. Yes. Are you both Girl, raising your hands crazy. to that? that you, uh... <laughs> no, just just one of us. Just one of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so for for fabric, I want to talk about fabric um, mm-hmm. because you you share your group shares a love of reproduction fabrics. Um, right. When you started this, how plentiful was that? Not very. Not very much. I, I, if I remember correctly, Betsy, wasn't uh, Judy Rothamel's first Civil War line about the time that we started? Yes, yes. And that's what kind of piqued our interest and got us going. 97? So mm-hmm, in 1997. Yeah. What about now, Carol? What? You know, I mean, we know Betsy designs fabric, but Carol, what do you see like out in the market when you're shopping to do your exchanges? Is it easier now? Oh, heavens, yes, because a lot of manufacturers put the dates of the uh, reproduction line on the salvage. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not the exact a year, but they'll give us a time period. Uh, I know Betsy does on her fabric, and it's wonderful. Because now we can say nothing later than 1880. Um, we can say 1830 to 1850 and get really close um, matching fabric to what was uh, actually out there at that time period. So, Betsy, since we're on fabric, um, mm-hmm. when you're doing your lines, are you using um, antique fabrics to inspire them? Yes. Yes, antique fabrics from my antique quilts. Okay, and then you're just putting colors and scales and taking taking it that right. way? Right, right. Um, I like to have the document print in the color that it, you know, was originally presented, if at all possible. Sometimes it doesn't work in our color scheme, you know, plan for that line. But it's it's a wonderful inspiration, and it gives me the feel of the era, you know, to have it all in one quilt. So I I get a really good sense of the fabrics, type of fabrics that they like to use at that time period, as well as the colors. It's an interesting process. I can imagine. I I, I don't work quite that way, but I no. think it's fascinating. <laughs> I work... <laughs> it it uh. 
because my my personal color palette's you know different than this. But I just mm-hmm. think it's fascinating to do this kind of research and have a love for a particular era. Um, what happens right. if you? I mean, do you ever like cheat and you put a different like piece in there? Uh, from a later time period, perhaps mm-hmm. occasionally. There's been there's been a couple that have slipped in, but pretty much we we stay true to the time period, mm-hmm. and and we do it within a range, so mm-hmm. that it's not so specific. Um, it's like a ten twenty year range. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to tell you a story, real quick story, because my very first fabric line many many years ago, apparently I had a purple stripe that looked mm-hmm. like reproduction, and all these reproduction places bought it. It's the only piece in the whole line. It we was... do that. We do that. We are crazy for those things. We do that. Yeah. I know. It was like, where is that fabric? It was like, oh, goodness. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to know, is there like a funny story about that was going on when you were trying to put this book together? Just anything, you know, like that you could, a secret you can tell me? Just me. I won't tell anyone. Oh, oh yeah. We'll we'll just share one little secret. Yeah. Um, the very last quilt in the book is called Toby's Trouble, and poor Toby was the dog, a dog who belonged to our members, one of our members' sisters. Okay. So the sister was going to hand quilt the quilt for the book. Well, Toby loved that quilt. Toby loved that quilt so much that he ate a hole in it. Oh, no. <laughs> and our, our friend was just sick, worried about it. Oh, my gosh, she had to get that quilt back. She had to fix that hole. She didn't know if she could do it in time. And bless her heart, it all worked out just fine. And Toby felt so bad. Oh, I he, can he imagine. He was very apologetic, <laughs> but he enjoyed what he enjoyed his quilt. Oh, so Carol, tell me, is there a quilt in here that is a particular in your book that's a particular favorite for whatever reason of yours? Do you, can you pick one, or even a setting? Maybe because you have so many gorgeous settings for the book. Well, absolutely. Yes, I like Arlene's. Um, let me get to it right now. It is her her sunflower. That when she brought that to our retreat, as she was assembling it, uh, she hadn't put the side triangles on it yet. But all those blocks that she had on that back, on her setting fabrics, were just wonderful. She handpicked every single one, made all the flying geese, and then came back to retreat with this setting fabric, and we said, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> She's got a very unique and wonderful sense of color. All of her quilts, we can spot. We can spot any of Arlene's quilts anytime. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't that fun when you have a friend who's got a style that you can just really pinpoint? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we okay, we only have like about right. a minute or so. So what I want to do is, Betsy, would you tell me about the big um, – the the Moda blockheads just uh, what's going on with that? How people can find out about it? Well, it's just a, a fun group that we've started. It's for free. Patterns are for free. You visit our um, our blogs each week. There's six designers: uh, Lynn Hagmeyer of Kansas Troubles, Joe Morton, uh, Jan Paddock, Lisa Bonjean, Primitive Gatherings, 
myself, and then we have Carrie Nelson. And I hope I remembered everybody. hope I didn't leave anybody out. Um, we've got traditional blocks in six-inch size, and uh, we also have a Moda, face, Moda Blockheads Facebook group. And you can visit that and join and, you know, gosh, we've got a, nearly 4,000 members in it already. So we've only been working on it for um, six. This will be our sixth week coming Wednesday. And everybody has to go and visit Betsy's page because she's doing a three-inch version. Um. Yes. I started that (laughs) just for fun from leftover scraps because I love scraps. I love working with whatever's left on on the cutting table or by my machine just for fun. And it's kind of exploded into a nice little following. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Ladies, this has been wonderful. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, we've enjoyed it. Thank you. And congratulations on your gorgeous book. It has got just incredible ideas. Um, thank you. Everybody We're very can visit, proud of it. They can visit Betsy at Betsy. What, uh, how do we say that? Betsy's Best, Betsy's Quilts Best. and More. There we go. <laughs> Just Google Betsy's name. I'm Pat Sloan for American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. Uh, visit us online. Visit allpeoplequilt.com and patsloan.com. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening.